When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Yesterday, I was in meetings all day for the North Star. And when I got out of the meetings, I noticed I had a barrage of text messages and DMs and emails saying that there was a story that Bernie Sanders told Elizabeth Warren that a woman could not be president. And I kid you not, I thought that it was uh, a joke, like the onion. (laughs) I know that Bernie would never say such a thing, and thankfully I was able to connect directly with a source who had knowledge of the conversation, who said that that's not at all what was said. And today... I want to unpack and explain what actually happened, and I want to connect it to just how hard it is to organize a movement. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The the, the Breakdown. The the, the, the Breakdown. The, 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 The Breakdown. Before we get completely started, I want to play a clip for you of Bernie Sanders when I was, let me do the math here, nine years old. (laughs) Uh, This is in 1988. I'm 40, okay? This is in 1988, and this is Bernie in 88 in a very, very different era saying that, of course, a woman could be president. The real issue is not whether you're black or white, whether you're a woman or a man. In my view, a woman could be elected president of the United States. The real issue is whose side are you on? Are you on the side of workers and poor people, or are you on the side of big money and the corporations? I wanted to start right there because Bernie is not the can't type of candidate for president. He's not the can't type of person that we can't have health care for all, that we can't have education for all, uh, that we can't end police brutality. Like Bernie for his entire life from his childhood until now has been the type of person who is an eternal optimist, who who is regularly fighting for what we can do. And so as soon as I heard that four unnamed sources were saying that Bernie said, not just in a overheard conversation, but that Bernie directly told Elizabeth Warren that a woman could not be president. I was, I was flabbergasted and uh, <laughs> I I I wanted to give some color and nuance to this because just 10 days ago I was in California campaigning for Bernie and we had events all up and down the state from Southern California all the way up to, to Oakland and San Francisco in the Bay 
We opened up brand new offices all over the state. And new polls had come out while we were out there in California saying that Bernie was leading California. And I was in a, a, a an event there in California where I asked kind of solemnly, rhetorically to the to the audience, if we are now winning California, which has the most delegates of any state in the country for the Democratic nomination, um, what are they going to start throwing at Bernie Sanders now that he's winning California? And then just a few days later, it came out that he was winning Iowa. And... I believed that once he started winning in the polls, that it would get ugly and that people would throw low blows. I believed that intellectually. And I, and I, you know, it was my expectation that that would happen, but believing it on an intellectual level and actually seeing how low people will go when you're fighting for good and that good starts to really Threaten the status quo. That's important. I don't just mean every time you fight for good in the world that it's going to get low and dirty and ugly. But when you threaten to shift and change systems, when you threaten to shake up who is in power in this country and who isn't, when you threaten to turn those things upside down, there are no bounds to what people will say about you to what they will do to you to stop that progress. Like, I have to go all the way back here to Dr. King's leadership toward the end of his young life when the FBI literally, now admittedly, they denied it for years until the past few years, sent him a letter telling him that he should kill himself, that he should take his own life, and that if he didn't, they were going to begin releasing damaging information against him. Can you believe that? Just mind-blowing what happens when you begin to threaten the status quo. And in 1967 and 1968, Dr. King began pivoting his movement to focusing on changing uh, the economy in this country, focusing on the rights of workers, he began focusing on new types of coalitions. And then all of a sudden he gets a letter telling him that he should take his own life. Who could imagine? And so yesterday, and here's the weird thing, um, for many of us who support Bernie Sanders, we know dozens of people who work for Elizabeth Warren and, and hundreds or thousands of people who support her our our communities are deeply interconnected. And so I have countless friends, personal friends, who work for Elizabeth Warren and countless friends who work for Bernie Sanders. And anybody who works on either campaign has friends who work on the other. And right away, I started getting phone calls from people even inside of uh, Elizabeth Warren's campaign saying, that she embellished this story. Uh, you know, I'm choosing the word embellished on purpose in, in, instead of just saying that she lied. But staffers from her own campaign saying, hey, she 
she is a politician. Like they were defending her. She is a politician and politicians are known to embellish stories. And that in 2018, in December of 2018, that she had a meeting with Bernie Sanders before either of them had announced and that she left that meeting telling friends that Bernie said she couldn't win. But members of her own campaign said, Sean, we don't believe that she said that, but that she embellished what Bernie actually said, which is so problematic because, one, could you imagine telling Elizabeth Warren to her face that she could not win? Like, who says that? And how do they remain friends and partners throughout the entire campaign with Bernie having said that? But then I spoke, and now this morning the Washington Post spoke to somebody directly connected to those conversations who have now confirmed that, no, Bernie Sanders did not say that a woman could not be president. I just want to read the quote. This is not from me. This is from the Washington Post. This is this morning. It says, two people with knowledge of the conversation at the 2018 dinner at Warren's home told the Washington Post that Warren brought up the issue by asking Sanders whether he believed a woman could win. It goes on to say, one of the people with knowledge of the conversation said Sanders did not say a woman couldn't win, but rather that Trump would use nefarious tactics against the Democratic nominee. And of course he will. That's not saying that a woman cannot win. It is an open admission and an open observation that Trump is a horrible human being. That's all. And that's exactly how Bernie Sanders recalled the conversation and spoke about it yesterday. I bring all of this up because right away, virtually every newspaper and media outlet in the country ran with the first story that Bernie Sanders said a woman could not win. I spoke to a source who said, no, that's not what was said, that Elizabeth Warren embellished the conversation. Now, the next day, after it trended and was breaking news on CNN and MSNBC and and elsewhere, now the Washington Post says, well, actually, we did speak to a person with direct knowledge of the conversation, and Bernie Sanders did not say that. It's just the uh, the game that we played as kids, the telephone game, where you sit in a circle. It's, it's, a, it's a, an illustration of what happens with gossip, where you whisper a phrase or a sentence in one person's ear, and then they whisper it to the next person and the next person and the next person. And by the time it finally gets back to you, often it is nothing like the sentence that was started. And... Um, that Bernie said that nefarious tactics would be used ended up being put out into the world as Bernie said a woman could not win. It's horrible. And it's worse than telephone. It, it's, it's destructive. And I just wanted to put my voice and my own frustration to it. I actually know Bernie Sanders. I know his family. I know his wife, his kids. I, I've spent personal time with him. And I would say he may be the most deeply honest human being I've ever met in my entire life, period. He is honest when it's 
horribly inconvenient. He is honest when it does him tremendous political damage. Saying in a debate that he believed every single person in the nation should be able to vote, including all incarcerated people. And when they pushed him on, well, what about this incarcerated person or that incarcerated person? Every single person on the debate stage folded except Bernie. And it did him political damage when he said it. But he said it because it's his truth. And so now to have his integrity impugned in this way is deeply frustrating. But listen, this podcast is not about my support of Bernie Sanders. I don't just mean this episode. I mean this podcast. And we've done now nearly 160 episodes. And I've been very careful to not make this a campaign show for Bernie or for anybody. But it illustrated for me just how hard it can be to be out front, taking the blows, leading and pushing for change. And that when you do it, the stories that get told and the lies that are told uh, that people run with as fact can do so much damage. I hate that this happened. I think it's like a scorched earth policy where I saw right away people with no people who had never met Bernie, don't know Bernie, saying, well, I believe it. I think he probably did say that. And now the next day, the rebuttal is, you know, is never as trendy as the lie, as the embellishment, as the exaggeration. And um, I, I hope the correction at least gets some traction. But I had to say this myself. Listen, I am going to be doing something different that I'm excited about. We are going to begin inviting other voices here onto the podcast. And just in one second, I want to bring in Maria Perez, who is a writer for the North Star. And we're going to talk about the Oscar nominations from yesterday. It's the pathway to So on the podcast, The Breakdown, uh, what you all don't see is that our podcast studio is right in the middle of the office for the North Star and right outside of the studio, which is just a glass studio in our office, are writers and staff who are working hard every day. And I have here in the studio with me Maria Perez. Maria, uh, you are writing hard every day. You have now, I don't have the exact number, but I think you've written... 600 plus articles for the North Star is an extreme number. Oh my God. <laughs> and uh, you just wrote something about the Oscar nominations, which were yesterday. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's talk about it. Yeah. So I wrote um, the title of my story is called Oscar's Still So White uh, The People of Color Who Were Nominated and Those Who Were Snubbed. So in my story, I list the two people that were nominated that were that are people of color. And then I talk about the people who were snubbed and uh, how the public views that and how upset they are about how some of their favorite artists and their favorite actors, they weren't nominated for the Academy Award, uh, the Academy Awards this year. Who are you feeling like really got snubbed in particular? Um, gosh, there's so many. Aquafina. For one. Right. Oh, she was spectacular. My wife and I went to go see her, and she, anytime she was on the screen there, what's the name of the film again? The Farewell. Yeah, The Farewell. And we uh, we went to our favorite theater, the Alamo Draft House, mm-hmm. to see it. And uh, 
She blew me away. Like, she was so good. She's incredible. She's an incredible actress. And she won the Golden Globe for the movie. Um, but... It's, cr- it's crazy. I mean, obviously, the standards for each are different. Totally. But to win the Golden Globe, then not get nominated for the Oscar, <laughs> you know? It blows my mind. I mean, she was nominated for Best Actress in a Comedy or Drama for the Golden Globes for The Farewell and didn't receive a nomination for the Academy. Even the director, uh, Lulu Wang, um, another uh, mm-hmm. woman of color who did not, who was a director who didn't get any recognition. She was spectacular. I, I actually thought for sure that she would get nominated. Like, The Farewell was so great. Me too. And, I mean, uh, I was so engrossed. If you have not seen it yet, everybody, please go see it. I was so engrossed in it. I think it's now, you can now rent it online as mm-hmm. well. And yes, it's just a, a phenomenal movie. It's really great. And it's really sad that she was overlooked. I saw a lot of people were pissed about uh, Lupita Nyong'o not winning or yeah. not being nominated, rather. Um, I'm not sure how many of your listeners have uh, watched um, us, but I was absolutely loved that movie. Jordan Peele is an incredible director. Lupita Nyong'o is just an incredible actress. I thought even Jordan Peele might get a nomination. Yeah. I, I went to go see us at a, a special premiere. And so I knew that Lupita Nyong'o was a great actor. But when I saw that movie, I left thinking like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. She, like, she, if you haven't seen it, she really has two roles yeah. in the film. And both are phenomenal one is terrifying <laughs> and it's 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 subtle such that a- after you watch the movie the second time you realize little things that she was doing the whole movie like mm-hmm. I, I yeah just that she didn't get nominated and i see a lot of people are frustrated because you know Lupita and even Denzel each were nominated for roles and Denzel won and Lupita won for roles that people are frustrated about, be yeah. it her in 12 Years a Slave or uh, uh, Denzel in Training Day where he's a crooked cop. Right. Then you get these kind of phenomenal, you know, uh, uh, genre-bending roles and, and nothing. Exactly. I mean, I was on Twitter all day today just looking through the, the Oscars So White uh, hashtag, and there were people who were just like, uh, for Lupita Nyong'o, like, oh, you can be nominated for portraying a slave, but mm-hmm. when it comes to something, like, as artistic and as complicated as the role that she played in Us, she won't even get any recognition yeah. for it. It's it's not fair. See, I say, and I've said this here on the podcast before, I, I'm double-minded about it. A very real part of me looks at any of these award shows and just says, screw it, we don't need this recognition, mm-hmm. we can... We can blow up at the box office. We can get, you know, a a great Rotten Tomatoes score without this award. Mm -hmm. But the flip of that is, and and this is the bottom line, getting nominated advances your career. Yeah. Winning advances your career. Mm -hmm. It follows you. It blows that film up. It it gives it a brand new audience. It breathes a new life into that role, into that film. And so all of a sudden— Everybody who did get nominated, every project they were a part of, which I'm sure were all great, all of those projects are now going to get so much more attention. Mm-hmm. It You often are even able to negotiate higher salaries. 
If you are a director, you're able to negotiate bigger budgets. So it's easy, and, and it's true on an emotional level, like, hey, we shouldn't care about these. I get that. It's easy to say that, though, but for the people in the industry, no, these, these, erect, these forms of recognition matter. Totally. What do you think could eventually make this better? And we'll close with that. We just need to see more actresses, more actors, and more directors of color to be, keep out putting out these movies, to keep pushing this on film like all the films that we see like we're seeing more and more people of color on film and i mean the academy can get rid of so many people at the top but what matters is that you know that we continue to push and support the people the people of color who make these movies and who star in these movies and hopefully the people at the top like the academy will see oh you know people don't really care about marriage story they care about us and Lupita Nyong'o and just as an example and just more of those movies with people of color. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Break it down. Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more.